We are in our final week of our Enough series on stewardship and thinking about all of our lives, particularly the area of our lives we tend to guard, that we tend to hold a little closer, and that we tend just the pastor assume not bring into the church, which is money and our stuff and all the things we earn and do and the fruits of our labors. And it's good. It's good to work. Amen? It's good to experience the fruit of our labor if we are able to work. I mean, not everyone's able to work. It is a gift to do these things. And it's good to receive and to be able to make choices with our stuff, to be able to decide what we're going to do, how we're going to take care of our family and our friends, how we're going to take care of our futures. What a joy that God gives us this power. And we've been talking this last few weeks about enough and that oftentimes we live as if we don't quite have enough yet, but kind of changing that around that we can say to God, I have enough. And I want to be focused on my relationship with you and being discontent with where I currently stand, where you want me to be, and work on being content with my stuff. And so today, we kind of, we tackle the question, and, and the title today is actually defined by generosity. Defined by generosity. Because when it comes to making decisions with our stuff, the things that we've worked for, the things that we've, we've sweat for, we want to have a good reason to give it, right? We want to have good reasons to do the things that we do with it. Because when the, when the prince of some strange African country emails you and needs your help, you've got to decide if you're going to give, right? Or when you get a strange text, which some, somebody did yesterday from Pastor Joe, saying, I need a favor, text me ASAP, which wasn't me, uh, you know, have to decide if someone's asking for your stuff, if you're deciding to give it to somebody, do you have a good reason? And that's fair. If you aren't having good reasons for the things that you do what you do, then we need to have a separate discussion, amen? Sometimes we do act without reason, and that's not a good way to act. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about God and generosity. And we're going to talk about what generosity is in our relationship with God, what generosity does between us and God, what generosity does between us and the rest of the world, what the Bible has to say about generosity, and, and how we can know that we're living generously in this world and the way that God would have us live. A lot of good questions, and a lot of questions I'm sure we all have wrestled with anytime you've been handed a paycheck and then you start thinking about, where does God fit into this process? And so, a theological foundation for a generous life. The word theology comes from the word theos, which means God, and logos, which means word. So we have a word about God theology. So what would God have to say? Well, we can find in Genesis 1 a little bit about what God has to say about us and our stuff and a right relationship as far as it's meant to be. Because in Genesis 1, we were created in the image of God. In the image of God, God created them, human beings. Male and female, the image of God, God created human beings. So we're created in God's image. If you're a male or female, right? You're created in God's image. Amen? What does that mean? Kind of get stuck there. Well, let's look. If we read on in the story, if we understand what all has been happening in this poem that is Genesis 1, we find that God has been busy 
Speaking and making and creating, and not just creating, but creating with purpose, with seasons, with seeds that grow up and become their own trees and plants that produce more seeds, that produce more trees and plants to fill and be fruitful upon the earth. And then God created animals of every kind that were small that could actually reproduce on their own and continue to fill the earth. And then God said, I'm going to create human beings and we're to be fruitful and said, I'm giving you the creation. I want you to have dominion, to take charge, to take care of, to be good stewards of my good work, to do what I've been doing, helping, nurturing, to be generous of our time and our effort, to do what God does, create and give. God is generous, amen? None of this has to be here. God chose for it to be here. You didn't ask to be here. Choices were made. But God made you. Brought you here and said, made this all for you, human beings. Take care of it. You know why? Because when you're generous towards it, it will be generous toward you and bless you. That's how we're created to be. But... We have these other voices, and if you remember more of the Genesis story, there's another voice that has its own idea, and we have the voices within us. Now, if the voice of that that, that wasn't God just came to us in the form of a serpent, we'd probably hesitate and second-guess, right? Much like that prince from whatever who was emailing you, we'd kind of see that coming from a mile away. This is not legit. But that's not how the voice comes to us. The voice comes to us through two ways, fear and self-gratification, Okay? Fear and self-gratification. What happens is we have our stuff. We have all the things God has blessed us with. And we think to ourselves, this is limited. And when it's gone, it's gone. And if I give any of it away, that means that I could be shortchanging myself. What happens if the money runs out? And then we allow ourselves to be dictated by that fear as if God can't freely give. Or... We just think, well, this stuff, I earned it, right? I chose to be born to the parents I was born to who I chose to be born in a place where, like America, where lots of really amazing things happen. We were given this great gift to be born here, and we start to think that this is ours. And I want to buy what I want to buy. I'm preaching to myself. Is anybody with me? Self-gratification and fear. So we have to defeat the voices we have to defeat because we want to be like the image of god i know we all want it right we could say we all want it and mean it but then it comes to making some smaller choices and suddenly the voices are loud now when we give our lives to jesus christ what we're doing what we're saying is everything that i thought i was and ever hoped to be all my dreams all my talents, everything I give to you, and I'm calling you Lord now. The word Lord means you're in charge, not me. So when it comes to defining my life, Jesus, you are Lord. You are in charge. I don't want to be in charge anymore because, frankly, I'm going to mess it up, and I've got a good track record to prove that. Amen? Anybody? You don't have to, not just me, right? All of us. We all have good track records, but what we do is we say, Jesus, you are Lord. And Jesus says, the Holy Spirit that's been working in your life without you knowing it, 
going to go into your heart now. Are you ready? It's going to clean out things that you like, but that don't belong. It's going to have you do things that you don't want to do, but are actually going to be better, and you're going to be so glad you did down the road. Are you ready for the Holy Spirit to come in? The Spirit is going to dissipate the voices of fear and self-gratification. We're all about the getting rid of the fear, but wait, wait, I can't gratify myself? Are you ready? And we may still wrestle with the voices, those of us who are in a good relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're still going to wrestle with the voices because we're not going to be perfected on this side of the grave, but our goal is to become more Christ-like, more in the image of God. And that's our goal. That's our number one goal. Amen? And the more we grow in Christ and realize that our lives actually belong to Him anyway, they always have, we simply just gave back what was already God's, we become more generous. So sometimes we think that, well, if I can just will myself to be more generous, then I'll, I'll get a better relationship with God. But it's the other way around. You've got to go to your relationship with God. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Do you know your purpose in life? Because that's going to help drive you to act in the ways that work toward that purpose. So Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 features a list we call the fruit of the Spirit. And if you know it, say it with me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Did you hear generosity in there? It's in there. Goodness. Goodness is this Greek word, agathosune. Can you say it with me? Agathosune. Agathosune. All right, it's this word that translates goodness in our English, but what, if you look it up, it actually is goodness toward others. It actually is generosity, that you were good, that you bless others, that you give of yourself, that because God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Yeah, so it's a fruit of the Spirit. When we get our relationship right with God, generosity comes. So don't worry about that. It will come if we really want it. So let's go to the Bible. Biblical reasons to give to God and to others. Jesus said in Acts 20, verse 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now we may think, well, that sounds like a good idea, but think to Christmas time. Do you like giving gifts or receiving gifts more? Maybe when we were kids, we would say, we like receiving gifts more, right? But when we're old enough to take our stuff, our hard-earned money, and we actually get to buy for other people, not just mom and dad giving us money, but we get to work for it, don't you find that it's so much more of a blessing? You get so much more excited to watch people open the gifts that you gave them? Yeah. Jesus says in Matthew 16, those who want to save their lives will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. And the idea that if, if we're taking our life back from Jesus, I know what I need. We're going to lose the real life, where if we give it, let go, hands off. Jesus, you lead me. You're my Lord. You'll actually find it. And if we want to be real simple and basic, we can go to Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. Anybody have a counter-argument to that statement? So it's all God's anyway. It's just a matter of us getting our perspective right. So biblical guidelines for giving. Now that we know we, we need to give, that God says it's good to give. So how do we give? And this is tricky. You may say, well, it's easy, but it's not. We go way back into Genesis and Leviticus. There were lots of people. You know what they did? You know how they gave? 
to the, to the gods or to God, they would give of what they received. So oftentimes they were farmers, so they had animals or they had harvest, and they would take things to the altar and place it upon, and they would burn it up. Just to show their trust in God, they'd burn it up. Now, the question was always, well, how much do I bring to the altar? How do I know God will be pleased? I brought two bushels last year, and then we had a drought. So I better bring four this year, just to make sure. Maybe God wasn't happy with my gifts. So I'll bring four. Okay, then you have a good harvest next year. Well, I brought four last year. It was a good harvest. But that was double what I brought the year before. Should I double it again? Is that how I keep God happy? Will God be happy if I get the same amount as last year? Does that, does that show that I'm appreciative and my generosity is growing? And you start to be worried and suddenly you feel like you're never giving enough and you're always wondering, is God happy with me? So we have Leviticus who walks through and says, here's what you give to God, and spells out this very strange list of things that we don't really work with. But the idea was, you give this much, so many pieces of silver and so many barrels of this and that, and so many animals, and then that's it. It's enough. God wrote it down. Here it is. God gave it to Moses. Moses said, people, this is the list. This is enough. We don't have to worry that we're not giving enough. God is pleased. You know what a relief that is when you know that what you're giving is enough? That God's pleased? Now that was a little different relationship. That was with the law. That's when you're worried God's always mad at you. Then we have Jesus. Jesus gives us a different story. But if we go back to Genesis 14, we come to the idea of one-tenth. Abraham or Abram gave Melchizedek one-tenth of everything as a blessing. Genesis 28, Jacob realizes God's with him, and he says, God, I will give you one-tenth of everything you give me. And then in Leviticus 27, there's a whole paragraph about what to do with the one-tenth part. And this is how generous God is. He says, give me one-tenth of your grain. You don't need to separate out the good and the bad. Just scoop up 10%, 10% lay it on the altar, you're done. You may see some imperfect seeds in that mix. That's okay. Don't worry yourself with trying to make sure it's perfect and this wonderful gift that's supposed to be between us, don't let it become a burden. This is supposed to be a joy. We're supposed to be enjoying giving, not worrying. And so a tithe is what we operate as a church. You may have heard the word. The word comes from all these scriptures. The, the Christians under the new covenant, us, we don't worry that God's going to be mad. That's not why we give. If you're giving just to keep God happy, I don't think you have a right relationship with God. You understand that God's not mad at you. God's not mad at any of you. God may miss you. God may really want to be closer to you. But God's already taken care of anything that was ever owed. Amen? So a tithe is not to make God happy. A tithe is for us to say, we're so grateful. We're so grateful. We want to give. Because look what you gave. So we came up with this tithe, this 10%. The nice thing about 10% is someone who makes this amount of money can give 10%. And God says, it's enough. Someone who makes this amount of money can give 10%. And God says, it's enough. And we don't have to measure this by this and say, oh, one of us is better. No. That's the beauty of a tithe. Quite graceful, isn't it? We may look at it and go, 10%. You know what that could buy. You know, I could get a nicer car with my extra 10%. Well, think of it this way. God says, you get to keep 90. 
You can, you can look at it that way. Half, or glass, half full, half empty. Or maybe you're looking at your, your finances and you're like, I want to tithe, I want to be generous, but I don't. There's not enough. I've got to eat. I want to feed my kids. So maybe you start building into your budget. What would it be to give 1%? Start with, start with $10 a week. $10 a week. Can you do $10 a week as just something, God, I can give you $10 a week. And then next year, I'm going to try to take that to 1%. Or maybe the next year, I'll take it to 3 or to 7 Maybe I'll work my way to the 10th. God sees you. God knows. God knows your heart. Maybe you're at 10%. You can say, maybe I can give 11 just because. That's something different than a tithe. We'll talk about that. I want to tell you a couple of things that, uh, that's kind of logistics, and I'll tell you why. Well, one, if you know, anybody know anybody that tithes fully? Okay, not yourself. Don't raise your hand for yourself. Do you know anybody that gives 10% faithfully? Okay, now keep your hand up. Keep your hand up if they are bitter about it. They're bitter about giving the 10%? No, I, and that's, if they are, I'll be honest, but I've never met anybody who tithes and is bitter about it, who said, no, it's not a blessing. Everyone I know, kind of wild, is this, God knows what God's doing. So the, you give money into here, and we place it on the altar as a sign of us giving it to God. Uh, there are some churches in some parts of the world, and we have somebody who's a member of the church who lived in another part of the world, and said at the end of the service, the pastor would take it behind closed doors and help themselves to what they felt they were owed. People weren't as generous at that church. That's not how we do it, okay? How we do it is we take the money, and as soon as service is done, it's counted twice, and then it's noted exactly how much is there. And then someone comes in and inputs it into our system, keeps track of who gave what, tax purposes, that kind of thing, so that we know and that we can say, here is what you gave, and you can write it off on taxes, but also to make sure that every penny is accounted for. Now, we have a group of people called the Governing Board. Raise your hand if you're part of our Governing Board. Raise the nice and high. Yeah, our Governing Board. They make the decisions for the church. Raise your hand if you're part of the finance team on the Governing Board. Do you know what kind of decisions I get to make on the Governing Board? None. I'm not allowed to vote. Did you know that? I tell you that to say that it is you all that make the decisions about what's done with the money that's given to church. And a lot of prayer goes into how we do what we do. Now, good news is any of you can be on the finance committee. Raise your hand if you want to be on the finance committee. Nobody? We, uh, we pray over who's a part of the finance committee. Typically, people on our governing board are on our finance committee, and Bob Waterman and Connie Nunn are also part of our finance team. They're not on the governing board, but they're a part of the process. We want people that are leaders in giving to be in charge of the gifts. So we try to be really intentional. I say all that to you because you may not know. This is not about giving to Joe. This is, this is about giving to the church and the mission of God. So tithing. Tithing is a floor, not a ceiling. Our goal is to get to 10%, and then we say we collect tithes and offerings because anything beyond that is considered an offering. So you may feel called to give to something else that's not even at the church. Great. God loves that. God loves that be an offering. So now let's talk about what our giving means to God. How does our, my giving affect God? How does, how does that even happen? Well, I could tell you that in the past where everyone worshiped through giving, 
we can bring it as an act of worship, and we've really tried to be intentional here to sing, to honor our gifts, and to give as an act of worship because truthfully, God enjoys watching us give. Just as you may have received a gift from a child or a loved one, and it was more than a gift, and you feel that, and God feels that. We move God's heart when we give. And what is God's response to our giving? Well, if we go to Luke chapter 6, give and it will be given to you. Give and it will be given to you. And listen to how God gives. A good portion. God's good portion. Packed down, firmly shaken, overflowing. It will fall into your lap. Those of you who cook, you know what happens when you, when you pat down and you shake, right? It gets more dense. You can fit more into it because that's how God is. The portion you give will determine the portion you receive in return. If we are trying to shake down and give as much as we can, somehow that blessing comes back upon us in an overflowing way. If we're not shaking it down, if we're not firm, if we're not trying to give all we can, we end up creating a void in our own lives. We'll get to that. Matthew 25, 14 through 30 is a parable of the valuable coins, a good read if you want to write that down. Ultimately, the, the good, faithful steward who takes what was given and invests it and turns it into more is told, well done. You are a good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and so I'll put you in charge of much. Because God says, fill the earth, multiply, have dominion, fruitful. And if we do with a little, it's amazing how suddenly we'll become in charge of a lot. So what does our giving mean to us? Our hearts are changed when we give. When we become more generous, it's us that's changed. When we give to God or to our families or to our friends, our neighbors, those who are in need, it's us that's filled with joy. If you've ever been on a mission trip, it wasn't, wasn't the people you went to bless that received the blessing. It was you who received the blessing of giving and working with people that needed it. Our hearts are enlarged by the very act of our giving. When we give generously, somehow we become more generous. And in being generous, we find the blessings of God. Many Christians have it wrong. They say that if you give to God, God will give to you. If you give more to God, God will give more back to you. And we get in the idea that, well, I should give a lot so I can get a lot. That's not quite how God meant it. Amen? The idea is if you give generously and you start realizing that your life isn't yours and you're not holding on to it so tight and you start living a little looser, not only with your stuff, but with yourself. God, you made me. It's all yours anyway. And I start living in a way that honors that. Suddenly, I care a lot less about the stuff that I invest so much time and energy into right now, and suddenly my life has room for the things that really matter, and before I know it, I've, I have a completely different relationship with myself and with God and with people and with this world. The amazing thing is, is that the blessings come back always, but it doesn't mean we're not going to lose our job. It doesn't mean that we're not going to go through hardship, because it happens, amen? I know some people in here know that very well. What it means is, if you trust God, you'll get through it. You'll still experience the blessing no matter what. So, we're ending our series, and what we're going to do next week is we're going to fill out commitment cards. These are between you and God. Yeah, we're going to look at them. But these are between you and God and how you want to define 2020. Do you want 2020 to be defined by what you did or how much weight you lost or how far up you climbed the ladder, which is fine? Or do you want 2020 to be defined by generosity? 
is I think when people look back over their lives, the things they'll be most proud of were the ways they gave to others in whatever form. So we're going to give you an opportunity to commit to four types of giving, okay? Time, talent, treasure, testimony. Time, talent, treasure, testimony. So time, I can give 15 minutes a day in prayer for my family, for my church. Or I can give an hour a month volunteering somewhere. Or maybe your talent, I'm really good at something. I can sing, so maybe I'll see if the praise band wants me to sing. Or maybe I'm really good at finances, so I'll see if the finance committee needs somebody to join. Or maybe you're really good at sharing your truck. You have a truck and you can pull a trailer behind for someone else and you say, hey, I'll do that. It's your talents, things that you can, that you can do that aren't measured by money. But then we have treasure, that would be your finances. What do you want to give to God in 2020? How will you define 2020 by generosity? Maybe it's I'll go from 1% to 2%. Maybe it's I'll give $5 more than I have been giving. It's between you and God. And then testimony. How many of you have experienced God working in your life? How many of you have told someone about that in the last month? You have you. Good. Well, we're going to give you an opportunity to share your testimony, and I want you to commit. I'll share with one person my story a month. Twelve people. Or just one person a year, if you're just terrified. I'll do, it one, I'll do one person this year, two the next year, and I'll double it every year, and we'll see what happens. Will 2020 be defined by generosity? You're going to have a week to pray on that, and then you're going to get a card in the mail, or we'll have plenty here over the next two weeks, because the next two weeks are going to be Consecration Sundays. So think through what you want to do, what that's going to mean, how God is calling you, and then we'll come and worship and share and celebrate together as we enter into a series of gratitude beginning next week. So let us pray. God, we thank you that you have given us life, this earth, that you sustain us by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you gave Jesus as an offering for us and for our sins. We thank you for the abundance that we have in our lives. And we pray, O oh Lord, that you would help us, help us to honor you with our tithes. Help us to honor you with our time, our talent, our treasure, our testimony. Help us to care for the poor and those who are in need. Help us to recognize that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Lord, we offer ourselves to you. Guide us now as we prepare to fill our commitment cards and all that that's going to mean for us in the next couple of weeks. Help us, O oh Lord, to do your will. Lead us, we pray in your holy name. Amen. Mm -hmm.